Okay, so let's uh, let's jump into it. Uh, first up, we have Titomic, an Australian company specialising specialising in digital manufacturing solutions for industrial scale metal additive manufacturing using its patented Titomic kinetic fusion technology. And so I was lucky enough to be introduced to Titomic actually uh, a couple of years back, just before they uh, IPO'd, and it was a tremendously exciting uh, story then and um, looks like a tremendously exciting story now. So uh, Jeff, I'm looking forward to getting an update from you and uh, hear how the business has been going. Great. Well, well, thank you, Warwick, and I appreciate the opportunity with Reach Market to uh, get to a wider audience in investors in Australia as well. Uh, so look, I'll, I'll just jump straight in. As you said, it's been a very exciting and interesting journey for Titanic. Um In 2017, in September, we listed on the ASX with not much more than a patent out of the CSRO, and um, we're hugely successful in that listing. I think we're the best performing stock that year on the stock exchange, and it's been an interesting journey ever since. So obviously in a very uh, fast-paced time, uh, we've actually been able to validate the technology taking it through the iteration of the building equipment, building a production bureau, and now we're in the process of commercialising it at a global scale. I suppose when a lot of people are aware of 3D printing industry and additive manufacturing has promised a lot to the world, unfortunately a lot of the time that hasn't delivered, but at the same time there's some real darlings of the New York Stock Exchange in 3D printing. They've got market caps in the realm of 2 to $3 billion, but at the same time maybe only have revenue between 15 to $25 million. And so it's an exciting area. It is part of you know, humanity's future in manufacturing. And we feel uh, we're really representing Australia's ingenuity, pioneering spirit, and the ability to link with industry across into commercialising some really good research that represents Australian sovereign capability. Uh, so, so really what we're about is what we call industrial-scale additive manufacturing. I mentioned that uh, effectively... Uh, what hasn't been able to ha happen is actually getting commercial realisation with 3D printing. So one of the things we've been able to do is actually do scale as far as uh, how big we can make parts and also um, the speed we can make parts. I think it's a real problem as far as uh, competing directly with traditional manufacturing with 3D printing and I suppose the real niche that Titomics chased after is being able to do that. So we actually have a who's who of a custom list, which we'll touch on a bit later in this presentation. But realistically, we're about um, meeting affordability, productivity, and improved performance in our products. And we do that for a process called kinetic fusion. So what is Titomic kinetic fusion? Um, obviously, when we look at everyone's aware of metals, and it's widely used across many different applications, across many different industries. But effectively, we haven't changed the, the basic principle of how we make metals in over 10,000 years. We dig a resource up, we then melt it and then process it. And what we've done here is completely turn that on its head as far as new ways that are a lot more greener. Um, our process is 60% greener than any other metal uh, technology in the world. And we think that's a great uh, you know, inflection point for the future humanity and also sustainable manufacturing future as well. So we're very proud on that fact that it's a very green technology. But how it basically works different other than melting the metal, we get a metal powder and we basically accelerate that metal powder at supersonic speeds. Um, so actually, part of the presentation, you'll see a, a basic diagram there. Now, our energy inputs are in nitrogen gas, which is very cheap. It's 79% uh, of the air we actually breathe, so no shortage of nitrogen. And then we use a, a small amount of electri electricity. Our facility in Melbourne is pretty much uh, runs 70% renewable solar panels, so we're trying to be really green and clean with the tech. So our energy inputs are in nitrogen gas and electricity. 
We effectively just heat the gas up. Now, as the gas heats up, it wants to expand. As it expands, it's forced through a, a converging point. Effectively, it's a rocket nozzle. Same difference when you look at a rocket as well. So we provide a very fast jet stream. Into that jet stream, we introduce metal particles. And then those metal particles are accelerated at its surface at supersonic speed. Effectively, they're running at about 2,000 metres a second. Now, what happens on impact? It's like I throw, imagine each metal particle is equivalent of a ball. So I've got a tennis ball. I throw that tennis ball that hard at the wall. When it collides the wall, it, it deforms out of shape. And this is how kinetic fusion works. Basically, metal particles on impact change from a solid state metal to what we call a semi-plastic state. In other words, they, they get quite malleable. And on impact, they release kinetic energy and they fuse together with either the substrate you're spraying onto it or on top of each other as well, which brings up some you know, significant advantages we have over other, other processes. But effectively, it allows us to do volumes that are exponential compared to anyone else in 3D printing. Average metal 3D printer um, builds about one kilogram of metal material every 24 hours. We have some of our machines can actually do up to 75 kilograms of material per hour if we run multiple feed heads. But on average, most of our systems run about 10 to 15 kilograms of material per hour, which makes our process very much affordable and equivalent to traditional manufacturing. And just as a benchmark for everyone too, the, the other top of the line uh, metal 3D printing process on the market, which are basically use either a laser or electron beam to melt metal powder, they currently run at the electron beam 40 times the cost of traditional manufacturing and the laser runs at 70 times the cost of a normal production. Titanic Kinetic Fusion, we run at the same cost as traditional manufacturing. So we really have a niche uh, capability there that has a huge amount of interest from industry and in what we're doing there. But effectively, like I said, we accelerate metal particles at a surface. We control that where they're getting deposited by using programming a robot to position where those particles go and then we build the parts up from that point. So what is the totemic value proposition? Uh, obviously in commercial applications when we talk to our client we don't want to mention we're a disruptor because it tends, it tends to push people away but we do have a disruptive manufacturing technology as I just mentioned because we're really the only metal 3D printing that can meet the scale and size and speed and also the cost driver as well. Uh, some of the other key, key components is that like we build paths like faster, smarter. We introduce a lot of the industry 4.0 principles, what we call the digitization. And that's um, obviously what that means. Every part we make, we capture all the data sets around that part. So imagine every centimetre of material, we have the whole value chain of that material from what supplier we got it from to what are all the certifications around that. So when we deliver a part, say for aerospace and defence, there's a historical record of that part being made and all the, all the requirements moving into some of these what we call digitised manufacturing processes. Uh, the other key bit is the... Our sustainable green manufacturing technology, it's um, in, if you combine just on the machines that well in the own right, there's 60% reduction in carbon footprint with also what we can also do in improvements on traditional manufacturing, we can see improvements all the way up to 80%, so quite significant on that area. And where that links back into investment, there's a huge diversification of uh, investments, especially in asset funds around the world that were invested heavily into fossil fuels. And now a lot of that is migrating into more ethical investments around green technology. So Titanic has really positioned ourselves strongly to be a green tech company, to be able to uh, be, a, in a way, a bit of a pin-up poster child for that green tech 
industry that's now evolving quite nicely globally. The other real proposition that we have in our unique capability is our disruptive cost position. I mentioned earlier, this is very big for a lot of industries. Anyone that's been involved in manufacturing before understands the idiosyncrasies of human labour and human input. Um, we think a lot of our faults we find in manufacturing are determined by human error. And anywhere we can go to automation and improve process and improve efficiency on the factory floor is also what we're about to. So Totomic's not about reinventing a wheel and going to an existing manufacturing, say in defence and aerospace, and we say, oh, your current process you know, doesn't work, we can offer you this. They don't want to see a reinvention of the wheel. They want to see technology that complements what they already have on the factory floor. So a lot of the materials that we're doing in our machines actually work within some of their existing process. I'll touch on a little bit later on, one of those areas where we produce a near net shape part, which means they still do their machining to a high level of tolerance, but without the huge amounts of material waste that could be part of that as well. Uh, so the other key differentiator between our process and metal 3D printers, we can use cheaper grades of titanium and other metal powders. And I'll touch on that a bit later, but really that's a huge differentiator from us, from our, our competitors in that space. Now, another key area of the disruptive supply chain proposition is um, we do a lot with titanium, and titanium has become a, a national security risk now for the US government, uh, Australian government, and other um, parts of the Five Eyes in defence. And that comes about because the supply of titanium is very tightly controlled by Russia, uh, China, and Japan. Now, obviously, we have um, good arrangements with Japan, but it's actually quite problematic for, say, the larger user of titanium in the world being Boeing, are very much dependent upon Russia, have to sign 10-year supply agreements. And what's quite interesting for Australia, we actually have the largest reserves of uh, titanium mineral sands in the world, estimated 280 million tonnes. We're currently mining them for titanium dioxide, rather, which is used in pigments and paints and so forth. But if we were bringing that into a higher value chain of finding that in the metal powder, then there's a huge opportunity for Australia to build a whole value chain around that resource. So instead of doing what we do well in selling our mineral resources as dirt overseas, we can build a whole value chain around that uh, significant material that's widely used and a lot of uh, industries would like to use more of it. It's just the cost proposition that's been too difficult. So Totomic is really involved in the, uh, being a disruptor in that supply chain and reducing the cost and making Australia being put on the map as a major titanium supplier in the near future the Five Eyes in Defence, also Boeing and Airbus, and other companies that want to use titanium as well. So how do we actually produce the components? We basically, from a, a let's call it our revenue model at Titanic's based on uh, three main sectors. One is we sell our equipment that we design and build ourselves here in Australia. Um, they're basically automated equipment. So we sell our smaller system, they're called our TKF series, a 1,000 and a 9,000. Our other revenue model is our bureau production process and then also selling consumables as well. So our Totomic Kinetic Fusion Systems, our largest machine, the TKF 9000, is actually the largest metal 3D printer in the world. And we do do tours every now and then with investors. So anyone interested in coming on site to do our tools, please uh, join up to our subscription list at Totomic and we can let you know when we're doing those site tours. Fortunately, with COVID-19 at the moment, we're sort of shut down. But once things uh, improve, we'll be definitely offering investors site tours as well. Uh, so the very large-scale printer um, actually has a bed of 9 metres by 3 by 1.5, a 40 cubic metre bed, which is quite substantial in the scale. You could effectively park a car on it, and then we could be uh, spraying material onto that. 
The other one, we have a very large rotational sprayer. Uh, rotational sprayer means we rotate the part and we build metal up on it. It's a huge opportunity there and work we're doing in the space industry, also a lot in the defence industry as well. And this is really fast becoming our, probably one of our major revenue opportunities as well. The problem with the larger 2,000 machine is purely its scale. It's a very big machine. It's about uh, probably 50 metres long, the machine, uh, about 7 metres high and 20 metres wide. And it's a substantial investment. It sells between, depending on what extras you put on it, anywhere between 7 to $20 million. And more recently, in February this year, we have a, a customised version of the TKF 9000 that we signed up for a large defence company in the Australian division, and that's a $25 million Australian deal, or more aptly, it's $8.4 million US per machine. So quite considerable uh, revenue opportunities from the sale of larger machines. But at the same time, it's a considerable investment for a lot of companies. So what we have focused is also on delivering a smaller machine, which is our TKF 1000, that can be more an off-the-shelf machine dropped into universities and other people more interested in the research and sort of uh, doing material science with that machine as well. So that's also moving along quite nicely. Um, we've built both these our beta models. We're now building our, our sale model. We actually have orders we're just processing on our books at the moment. There's some exciting announcements coming up very shortly relative to those extra machine sales as well. So we also have our bureau in Melbourne. What we call about a bureau is our smart factory in Melbourne. Um, it's effectively where we produce parts for clients, and it's also R&D like proving centre as well. So most of the clients with any new technology want to understand the unique capability and affordability of the product. Can it meet the standards that are required for their particular industry or product? Uh, how fast can we produce that part? And also, more, most importantly, a lot of these industries, and especially in aerospace and defence, how we can reduce their lead times. Uh, some of the larger aerospace companies can have a up to eight to ten year backlog on producing titanium parts, and that's purely not just the uh, the limitations of getting the supply out of Russia and China, but also the time it takes the machine apart. There's some aerospace parts that can take six weeks of machining in workshops to produce those parts. So in any area where we can reduce those lead times seen as a significant advantage to our customers as well. So we work very closely across our different industry partners. Uh, thus said, though, we could be very easily get sidetracked and be trying to be everything to everyone. We're not doing that. We're very very strongly focused on delivering on three key areas in, in, in what we do well and then obviously the more opportunities as we move forward as well. Uh, so a real key bit too is our cutting edge materials is that we the only process that can fuse different metals together. Melt-based process requires melt temperature to metals to be very similar within 10% range where we can get a low melt temperature that say might melt at 500 degrees and can blend that with a material that might melt at 600 degrees. And the reason that can happen is because we rely on kinetic fusion. It's a cold fusion process rather than doing the melting in the metal. So it really opens up some exciting opportunities for us in areas such as hypersonics in space. There's a huge problem about space vessels going to Mars as far as the radiation protection and also the uh, hypersonic, the hardness of the surface coatings as well. So we're doing some very uh, interesting areas with some exotic materials. And also, obviously, a big thing in uh, investment circles is around rare earth metals as well. So our process can do that. We currently have a job on the books at the moment for a satellite through Vols 24 karat gold. Uh, so obviously, you know, I think we talk about rare earth, expensive one. I think they're one of the more expensive ones. Some are also the other exotic materials as well. So we're not limited to one or two metals. Uh, we can do a lot of different metals, but we see a very big niche for us in that titanium sector 
So when we talk about next generation materials and how a unit capability can build materials, um, we recently worked in an area, uh, what we call heterogeneous materials. Now, heterogeneous materials, when you mix two or three different metals together in the same process, and that allows us to look at a new, new generation of material science. Uh, so we have a wide range of applications there. We're working with um, major defence primes around the world on some very high level classified work on light weighting of vehicles and also more importantly improving things like ballistic properties on, on uh, ballistics panels, protection panels and other areas as well. So quite exciting some of the work we're doing in that area as far as really taking the metal manufacturing into the next uh, generation of what can be done with high performance metals while also maintaining that sort of uh, cost reduction as well too. So when we look at the global supply chain of titanium, it's quite interesting in the fact that there's no one set lot of powder. Um, most metal 3D printing require what we call a spherical powder and if you can see by the image you have the nice round uh, ball type of metal particles and they require that for metal 3D printing in the melt paste process so they melt quite evenly and when they're building their parts. Because that process doesn't rely on that melting, we can use uh, what we call sharp powders or irregular morphology powders and these are significantly cheaper. Uh, when we were reviewing a lot of this work previously with the CSRO as we developed the technology, we came across a technology in China that actually had a very cheap grade titanium powder and it was primarily designed for fireworks of all things, but we found it was a metal powder and because it was a sharp profile, no one really wanted to use it. But we found it worked exceptionally well in our system and what we effectively did was reduce the cost of the titanium powders by around about a thousand percent. So quite significant and more importantly, we are now at a position where our titanium powder with our processes matching traditional manufacturing and sometimes we can actually be more cost effective. And to give a level of what that means for Australia and also for Titanic, we've been in very strong discussion with um, BAE and other uh, naval group out of France on our submarine and frigate contracts in the future. We're looking at considerable amounts of titanium in both those vessels as we move forward. And the reason in, say, the naval areas, titanium has a very low magnetic signature for radar, but also more importantly, it's a very strong lightweight material. The lighter you make a metal structure on a ship, the more uh, goods or armaments and other weaponry you can put on that, sh that uh, naval frigate as well. So it is important we understand that and also the corrosion resistance of titanium lasts over 500 years in the environment as well. So what Titanium has been able to successfully do is reduce that cost of the powder and also we're currently working with the Australian Federal Government on another initiative how we can reduce that cost further and really build an innovation hub and value chain around that titanium powder. That process is involving hydrogen, to, which is a very green technology to reduce not only the carbon footprint of producing titanium powder, but get the cost point right down to where we can start looking in large volumes in areas such as automotive and cars, where significant volumes can be realised as well. So for Titanic to really recognise and realise our capability and technology in the future, it's important we can have the right supply chain of feedstock at the right price, more importantly a, a sustainable and uh, you know, supply chain of that and more a secure supply chain as well. COVID-19 has really reinforced everyone in manufacturing the, and disrupted global supply chains, so it's really made Australia look deeply at how we can build value chains around our assets, mainly around renewable energy and also our, our huge amount of natural resources that we can mine as well. 
So Titanic see themselves at front and centre of actually developing that capability for Australia in the future, but more importantly giving Titomic uh, considerable revenue opportunities into that market, not just for Australia, but for export of our technology overseas from both consumables and the material and our systems that can use those materials as well. So when we look at one of those processes that we, if you look at the above one, is a standard process can be up to 37 stages to get to titanium into industry and new process significantly reduces that capability. So it's an ongoing opportunity we're working with the federal government on and we're hoping to have um, some more information around that next stage that Titomic's looking at working with the federal government on and some defence primes. So it's an exciting news coming forth in that in the near future. We actually have validated our process uh, quite significantly. So now we're looking at just scaling that process in Australia and there can potentially be some investment uh, opportunities coming up in that in the near future as well. So if we look at one of our more um, better examples or a case study we did on a part made with that process, uh, we, we looked at, we are given a job to do with the Australian Army as far as reducing the weight of a rifle barrel that a soldier carries in the field. And the problem is when you reduce the weight of a rifle barrel, most of the materials that are lightweight do not have the sustainability as far as they'll get distorted through the heat and they do what they call lose their shot groupings as well. So our task was can we lightweight the barrel and at the same time improve the, the uh, heat exchange performance and also the accuracy of it as well. Now, to give some uh, metrics on this, the US uh, government through DARPA and the Department of Defense spent $43 million in 12 years on this process trying to validate exactly what we did. We were given this task by our customer in five weeks. We actually had the part finished in the hand of our client and our client was testing it on a defense range in Australia six weeks later. We've used that as a, a very prominent case study back with the US Department of Defense and other uh, other governments around the world in defence to showcase how with the advent of advanced technology combined with the right um, you know, uh, improvements that things can happen very quickly. Normally a process is like something, a new material like this would require a PhD and a whole level of academia expertise to actually validate it, but now with the advent of digital technology we can fast track some of these processes. So what's significant about this one, we reduce the weight by 50%. We can manufacture quicker than traditional manufacturing and also improve the performance of the product too. So it's a great case study on our capability of being able to reduce weight, improve affordability and show a significant improvement in performance as well. So we're in further discussion with that now. We don't have any exclusivity with that, any companies on that any longer. Um, we're now working with some of the major defence primes on helping realise those barrels and also some uh, larger barrels and work coming up for Australian land vehicles and also naval and air aircraft uh, barrels as well. So quite a big market opportunity for us that we're currently working on in that sector. The other area we did on soldier systems where we've done light weighting and body armour, um, obviously important with a lot of the soldiers now require wear um, uh, protection in the field and there's always a, um, a problem with the soldiers whether they want the manoeuvrability and lightweight and not have to wear very, very heavy um, ballistic body armour protection or can we make lightweight. So we've done some validation on that, had it tested and we've been able to once again um, show our capability, reduce the weight of that, improve um, production capability as well. So some great opportunities in that. 
One of the areas we focus on soldier systems is the fastest growing area of um, defence sector. Does have the same amount of limitation. Some of the areas in defence can take anywhere from three to five years to do validation process. But soldier system items are ones where there's significant um, validation done very quickly and can be in the hands of uh, the military very quickly as well. So a good area for us to, to process and to look at being able to fast track revenue into that sector as well. Another one that's probably our biggest uh, process at the moment that we've spent this year validating is what we call INVAR tooling. Um, so everyone's aware of carbon fibre, the importance of carbon fibre in aircraft and now into defence. It lightweight parts, it's very, once the process of investment made in the tooling to make a carbon fibre part, it's very uh, cost efficient to produce high performance lightweight parts. The biggest backlog they have in that industry sector in both aerospace and defence is the tooling that actually they produce the carbon fibre parts on. And so what we've been able to successfully do is actually use our systems to be able to reduce the lead times of those tooling down from, in some situations in Australia, up to 12 months lead time to get a tool, all the way down to six weeks. So significant opportunity there. We announced earlier this year an agreement with Accent Technologies out of the US, the largest tooling manufacturer in the world. And we're working very closely with them and happy to announce they've recently received their first samples and they're now just putting it through their uh, testing properties on the actual production floor. It's passed all their lab tests, so we're very excited that that um, has been approved by them and now we're working for significant operations with them embedding systems into the US, their machines, so they can actually produce those tooling. We can have the capability in Australia to produce those tools as well. Um, the market has slowed up a little bit, especially around aerospace sector that needs a lot of the tooling, but the defence sector is still growing very strongly through COVID-19. So right at the moment, we, I think we have eight quotations on our books at the moment for Invar tooling, uh, but it's definitely an area we see as a, a very large sales opportunity to the company that will bring in significant revenue uh, over the next couple of years as well. And if anything, it will become our sort of go-to bread and butter for revenue for the company as well. Uh, some of the other areas we can do is quite exciting when we talk about fusing dissimilar metals together. You can see uh, on this slide here, the only process in the world that can combine copper, titanium and other metals together. So that's, uh, we've recently filed a whole new suite of patents relative to that area. And IP is an interesting thing I'll just touch on quickly. When we look at what Titomic is really about and, and when you develop new technology, you don't want to just be the one spending all the cost on the R&D and development and not getting the upside of that. So it's very important we protect all that background and groundwork that we're doing to create a solid foundation for the company, but we don't want to be doing that also for our competitors as well. So we have a very, very strong IP portfolio on our patents with both the CSR and our own patents as well. So it's important that everyone understands that most of the work we do in jobs fall under IP protection as well. So it's important that as far as us moving forward to maintain our leading position in this marketplace and we do that through our significant IP protection protocols. So what Titanic really offers with our customer, our base to uh, working and realising revenue opportunity, we do an advisory and prototype with a client, normally R&D services, and we are now a registered research provider in Australia, which is very unusual for a private industry, but it gives us capability then for our clients to receive grants from state and federal governments and other grants from overseas and apply those grants to work that Titanic does as a registered research provider. We're also very mindful we're not stuck permanently in R&D services and because you know, there's not a huge amount of profitability in R&D, 
the real profitability is when you validate a process and then move into significant production and also other areas as well. Uh, so obviously OEM manufacturing is a big area for us, quite profitable, but not all clients want us to manufacture parts for them. In that situation, we then sell them the TKR systems themselves and also ongoing technical support and also the consumables as well. So there's a couple of different revenue models and there, like I said, 2020 is our year of commercialization. So we're just navigating through now a huge range of opportunities we have and to really where to put our best efforts to realize our significant revenue for the company. So that's it for now. Um, so I just want to touch on that last point. I think um, I mentioned earlier about most metal 3D printing companies listed in the US uh, have a market cap of between two to three billion, the major two, and their revenues were between 15 to 24 million US. In our first commercial year, we've already been able to realize 25 million US, uh, I mean Australian, sorry, in uh, machine sales, and now we're just in the process of scaling that up more to 31 uh, million with $6 million worth of further work as well. So we really feel ourselves we're up and now running and it's important to get those first major contracts on, out and underway. And so, you know, we're very excited about our commercialization process and now more importantly, moving our global expansion. Part of that global expansion for us to a significant in, in um, addition to the skill set of our current board. We recently um, had a new hire in our chairman, Andrea Schwer, who is quite a significant person in the defence sector globally. He's the ex-CEO um, and chairman at Ryan Mantel International, one of the world's largest defence primes. So the wealth of experience that Andreas brings to the, to the board is quite significant and opening doors at a very high level for us as well. And two of our other more recent directors, uh, Humphrey Nolan, who's had significant experience in manufacturing in Australia and scaling up globally. And also Dag Strom, who's at um, Morgan Stanley out of um, London and Norway and brings a wealth of experience on that finance and investment strategy as well. So I'll leave it there and I think we've got some uh, potential questions coming up. So thank you for that. Thanks, Jack. Look, I think it's uh, you know tremendously exciting. I think you, you touched on um, the main question that's come through. We've, uh, we've got lots and lots of questions here. We've run a bit over time, so we won't be able to get to all of them, but uh, we'll send them through to you and you can go back to the shareholders nevertheless. So Emmanuel, Murray, um, Chris, Peter, all just want to sort of bring home the fact around sales, um, some exciting announcements around sales, but uh, I guess the question is when uh, when do we see the, the sales come through in the numbers? Okay, so generally with this type of equipment, um, normally a large bit of custom kits are better believe it or not, 18 months to two years delivery from signing the purchase order to the realization. The $25 million deal we have with Tech involves a couple of different elements on that. We've just, we recently completed all the validation of the material that's being used. We're now producing the prototype samples that then will go off to get NATO approval. Uh, there's no, there shouldn't be any um, problems with that approval process. It's just really the semantics actually getting that bit done. The client then comes back with that approval and then we push go. What we have done in the sake of time is actually already designed, our engineers have designed the system already and we're pretty much ready to go on producing that system. Uh, as far as realizing the revenue around these type of systems, they get realized through deposits and then um, basically then the final commissioning receives the whole revenue as well. So with our forecast uh, and our sort of budget, um, obviously that's all embedded in there. 
but we're very realistic as far as one thing to get a, the sales and then but to realize then the revenue has some particular stage gates we go through uh, there's nothing unusual I'm told in that process it's just uh, the nature of our industry in selling custom machines and other machines so a normal machine from the time we receive the purchase order say for a smaller off-the-shelf TCAF 1000 is a six-month lead time but we will look at getting a 50% deposit up front. In some situations, it might be a 30% deposit, but we're really all about how quickly can we realise that revenue. And the larger system, we're looking at Commerce Tech, we're looking at the delivery of nine months from the receipt of the, that order on that bit. Very good. I think we'll probably have to have to leave it there. We'll, we need to keep our skates on and uh, move over to uh, David, David Furstenberg from LSAT. But uh, thanks for your presentation, Jeff. Um, good luck with it, and we'll send those questions over from the rest of the shareholders to you. Great. Appreciate the opportunity. Thank you, Warwick.